0: Today
1: we are here with Steven.
2: Funko. Pop. That's what I hear in my head whenever I see the, the, the brand. I don't know why. I have no reason for that whatsoever. Um, but that is my way of saying um, that we have a super special guest here with us today. Uh, this one's pretty cool, y'all. Not gonna lie. Uh, Danny, do you want to introduce our lovely guest?
1: We are here with Meridia. Hello. So, first off, we're going to have you introduce yourself. So, let's start with your house, Patronus, favorite character, and then also if you can explain your job at Funko.
0: Okay, so, in case you missed it, my name is Meridia. Uh, My house is Gryffindor, which is probably confusing because I wear a lot of blue and green But I am a Gryffindor with Ravenclaw tendencies, if we get that that specific. Um, My Patronus, I don't remember for sure, because it's been so long since I took the test. But I think it would probably be a a horse. (laughs) Why? Um, I used to train horses.
2: Okay, that's fair.
0: On the, like, that was... I don't want to call it a hobby because it wasn't a hobby. It's something that I really, really enjoy. And for a while I debated if I wanted to go to a special school for like classical dressage, but I used to train horses with my instructor. Um, and then, you know, I got into college and, you know, time is limited, but, um, to answer the last question, my job at Funko is I am the marketing copywriter, but I work with other departments as well as marketing.
2: See, I thought you were gonna give some answer about how horses run free and they're wild spirits. And, and that's a great answer. Look, I would not grudge you if that was your answer, but you had a super practical, pragmatic answer, which is you used to interact with horses routinely. So that is supremely cool.
0: Yeah, I enjoy them. They're quite funny. They like to play tag and pull pranks on you and stuff. I just, I enjoy their company. I mean, I have two pet cats as well. And I grew up with dogs. I grew up with a lot of different pets, but I don't know. Just, I wouldn't necessarily identify part of my personality (laughs) as a cat or a dog.
2: Look, all I'm saying for the listeners out there who are getting a little bit tired of my shtick, you come for the Potter talk and you leave with horse facts. Horses play tag. (laughs) I didn't know that. So there you go. Uh, No, Meridia, I'm curious, where did your Potter journey begin? Um, Because you're, I mean, look, Danny is like a whole two generations, three generations older than you. But generally speaking, we're all roughly around the same age in that we grew up with the series, I would imagine at least. Um, So can you tell us kind of how Potter came into your life?
0: Yeah, so um, I think if we trace back to like the very beginning point of my memory, I distinctly remember when my mom was pregnant with my younger sister, because I only have one sibling. And um, one night when we were getting ready for bed, she asked if I wanted to start reading this book called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, because it was gaining traction at the time. And me being a kid, just like, something to not go to bed straight away. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Like I, I also was a very, um, I don't know, I guess easy to please child. I I wasn't too particular or picky. So I was just like, Oh, an activity together. So then when she started reading it, I just, I got really interested in it. But then after my sister was born, um, I didn't really, stick close to the books very much because I was still at a cusp age where reading that level was possible, but mostly possible because I was so interested in words that I would go through the extra effort to look them up. So for a while I stopped off of reading and then it really hit again in high school when I just... It, it was an interesting time. I mean, everyone has their own struggles with high school, but I just, I got into a weird spot and I was just like, you know, I don't really want to go out and go do things or I don't want to, you know, venture beyond certain activities outside of the house. Cause I was going to school full time. I was, um, working as many hours as legally allowed And then I was also training horses on the side. So it wasn't like I had time in the same sense that, you know, other people my age did. So I got into reading them again and I got really invested. But when the movies started coming out, um, my dad, that's how he got involved. He's very much a movie person. So before it was just really me alone reading the books and being interested in it. And then when the movies hit that's when my dad and I really bonded on that and we really clicked with it. Like my mom was always supportive and like, yeah, you found something you enjoy and movies we can watch as a group, but she wasn't interested in it the same way my dad and I were. And we would spend hours discussing, you know, the movies and the differences between the books because he never read the books. Um, I told him he should at least listen to the audiobooks narrated by Stephen Fry. But I don't know if he's actually done that yet so it's always like his perspective is movie only and mine is more like a merge in between the two so that's where I would say it started was it kind of an early seed of the idea that then bloomed when I could bond with my dad over that material more
2: yeah I I really I, I I love that answer um Because, you know, I I think one of the things I've really come to appreciate about a lot of people's Potter origin story is that you kind of fell into it, right? I happened, I I never read fantasy stuff growing up, but I happened to pick it up at one of those scholastic book fairs as a kid in elementary school. And there I went, right? And here I am now, right? You just, your mom was like, hey, read this book, you don't have to go to bed. And you're like, okay, cool, right? Um, So let me ask, you know, along the lines of talking about your connection with your dad and kind of how that, what that means to you when you're tying into Harry Potter, what what does the series mean to you now? Like, what, what do you take away from it as, like, like, lessons that you love, like, the, the narratives that you tend to really resonate with or relate to, like, what does Harry Potter mean to you?
0: It changes every time that you experience it. And I feel that a lot of people have a similar experience. It's kind of like when you find something salient that really speaks to you on other levels than just, this is interesting at the moment, you go back to it one way or another. Cause you know, some people read the book and then they, they just can't read it again, or they watch the movie and then they read the books and then it starts to cycle over again. But it, I don't know, it adjusts over time. And what I really care about, I guess the most is really like honing on, on different aspects of how the characters interact with each other and how they treat each other and just the way that they function in their logic. And I know that's probably like a very strange nitty gritty response, but like, you know, my dad's favorite character is Luna Lovegood. And when, It came time for the movie scene where we see Luna's room and you see that she painted, you know, Harry, Ron, Hermione, Neville and Ginny on the ceiling. You know, that was a really big moment, at least getting to know Luna, because even if she didn't say certain things on the exterior to really, you know, I guess, validate or, you know, solidify her, her feelings about her like friendship and relationship with these people... Like, you know, before Harry might have considered it just she's a person, I'm going to treat her with respect and kindness. And then after that, Harry really understood how much that affected her and how much he appreciates her, especially as also being someone who's on the outlier, you know, who gets picked on or things like that. And he really started to dissect how she must feel and how things you know are different for her and he never took the time before because nothing was said or initiated to really spark that so it evol- evolves again over time but it, i always come back to just how the characters treat each other and how they handle certain situations because i find it really interesting and very dynamic. So it could be, I just fixate on reading a book again and like one particular scenario. I'm like, why, why not this? Why not that? You know, all these different things. But then when I loop back around, I'm like, but it does make sense for the character. Like it may not make sense for me, but it's a, almost like a sounding board for, I guess, assessing yourself, your behaviors and your own decisions off of something that is in some way slightly removed. It informs who you are without, directly putting you in front of a mirror.
2: I'm just going to leave that as it is, because that's probably one of the better meta-analyses that's ever been said on this podcast. And I've been trying and failing for damn near 50 episodes at this point to to get to that. So that was, that was really well said. Um, one of the things we do talk a lot about, both on this podcast, but also just Danny and I uh, as friends, is that we would love, 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 to have a career that was actually centered around our personal passions, right? Like we we do this podcast, I have another podcast I do and we love doing them, but at the end of the day they don't really contribute to our actual job, our actual careers, right? Um, we both work in different facets of the ever exciting world of insurance. Um, you on the other hand have a career that seems pretty aligned to your personal passion. So can you talk a little bit about how that came to be, right? Like. Was this something that was always on your vision board? Did the opportunity happen to just pop up? Like, how did this work?
0: So I will first answer that by explaining how I came to know Funko first. So uh, one of my big life goals growing up was to study abroad in England. My grandmother's from England. Um, I knew at an early age I wanted to get my degree in creative literature or some sort of, you know, detailed English-based writing degree. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to find a way to make this happen. And that ended up me working a management-level job full-time while going to school full-time in a city I didn't live in. And when I finally got overseas and I made some, I made a friend, I won't say her name, but I love her dearly. She'll know. But I made a friend overseas who happens to live in (laughs) the a town very near where I was born. Cause I was born on the East coast and my family slowly moved um, down to Arizona and then up to where I'm at now, which is Washington. Um, yeah. And she did this thing where every time we would go on a trip, cause we traveled or I traveled nine countries. She went on most of those trips with me. Every time we went on a trip, she would pull out a Daenerys Targaryen pop and take photos of it. And she's like, took my Khaleesi on another trip today or things like that. Like she put like silly captions to it. Um, and I was like, "What? what is this thing? Like, where did you find this? It's adorable, but I don't like what you just carry it around. She goes, yeah, I love it. So that's when I got introduced to it. And then when I came back home from my study abroad, uh, one of my coworkers, um, gifted me my first Harry Potter pop, which was Harry Potter holding the orb. So the prophecy orb. Um, and that was incredible to me because first off, my friend remembered what one of my favorite Harry Potter of all time is, is I love the order of the Phoenix. Like as much as there's really frustrating characters and really terrible things happening There's so much that gets done. Like there's, there's not like, you know, grinding through the gears and sitting around. So I was really excited that my friend remembered and, you know, I, I got a few more gifted to me and then it kind of grew. And then I realized um, that the headquarters is in Washington and it happened to be about a half hour drive from where I was living at the time. So I came to visit and I was just like, you know, I really enjoy this. And so I started applying because I had graduated with my degree at that point. And it was difficult and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but it's difficult in a really good and interesting way because I got denied again and again and again. I kept applying and finally I got in in a retail position in the store. Cause there's a store at the bottom of the headquarters. And I was like, you know, at least I'm close to something I enjoy. I need something different and new. Um, i have been managing a movie theater for a really long time. And I was like, I just, I need something new. I need, even if this is just a sidestep to where I'm going, at least it's something. And I get to see children get excited about characters they recognize, you know, from books and movies. And like, this is what I'm interested in is how these people interact with these characters and all these stories and ideas that come up because of these characters that they connect with. So it's like, at least I get to see little kids get really excited about things. And like, there's joy, you know what I mean? So um, I worked in the retail store for a while and then I finally got the position I originally applied for, (laughs) Which is the marketing copywriter position. So I do a lot of different things in that facet, which I could go into if it's at all interesting to you. Um, But yeah, so that's how I got into Funko. I didn't really know about it right out the gate. It wasn't like something that I had really sought out in school. And like I was close with quite a few of my professors. So I was trying to figure out okay, do I need to. Like I was freelancing as well as working full-time. So it was freelance writing. And so I was doing all these different things. I was like, I would like something to just have more structure. Because I feel like, you know, you get to a point where you feel like you're spreading yourself thin just to keep interested in things, to keep things going. And I was like, no, I, I need to figure this out. So I just kind of fell into Funko, <laughs> but I really enjoy it.
1: Can you explain, and you can go as deep as you want, but I know some people are not in the world where they know what a copywriter is.
0: Oh, okay. So a copywriter basically writes all of the text that you're going to read in something. So for example, when you go to our like Funko Instagram or Twitter or things like that, I contribute to that. I'm not the only person that writes for that, Um, but I write for that. I write all of the descriptions and blurbs that you see on our website. I write blurbs for other retailers as well so that we can help them explain the product to the customers um, from their facet Uh, because each website has things set up differently. So they need to be tailored to the type of information that each retailer wants to focus on. So I write for the blog. Um, I, I write for all kinds of things. Basically... If you read it, there's a high chance that I contributed to it, if not wrote it, but it should have my name on it aside from like descriptions and things like that. So you should be able to tell who is writing for like the blog and things like that.
2: So for example, right, like there's like the Funko website, like the, the direct shop, there's Hot Topic, which is one of the, the licensed vendors, right? There's the Wizarding World, um, the new app and, and store online, right? Those are some examples of what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And so when a retailer needs copy, because some of them, very few, and this is a an interesting misconception is very few retailers have dedicated people who only do the copywriting and that can be good and bad. And that's more of their spectrum. Cause again, that's more of what they want scope wise. And if they can ask for the providers to, um, of these products to give them descriptions, but every so often, and it's, they usually come in batches, which everyone's really well-timed and coordinated in that sense, because all these different retailers will be, they'll give a list of the um, item numbers of the things that they're struggling to have copy for, or that they're not familiar with. And then from there, I would um, write and provide copy. And so kind of as a standard is anything that's Funko licensed. Um, I help write, and I it goes through a whole internal approval process, and then whoever needs to help contribute to that, because um, I do have people who help me with that as well. Because some of these characters, I have no idea, and that's okay. We don't need to be experts in everything. So whoever I need to help loop in, gets looped in. It goes through approval, and then it gets sent to the retailers to use at their whim.
2: That was one of the questions I was curious about. So I just. For my own, I, I know you've touched on a little bit, but just for my own sake, is it that you are, for lack of a better phrase, like a a uh, brand agnostic copywriter for Funko? And then obviously you bring in people when you need help writing for certain properties, be it, I don't know, I'll use the, the Funkos I have somewhere in, in my four walls, like the, the Birds of Prey release, like maybe you weren't as knowledgeable about that, so you brought someone in, or is it that specific product lines have their own copywriters?
0: No, I am the only one. (laughs) So I write for everything. And that, again, that's more of a, as we expand, that might change, who knows. But even just to have people who think like I do, because I really pick things apart. And I know that. So sometimes it's difficult. But I do a, a lot of research. Some things I know really well off the bat, like I could quote it. And that's, that's, the sweet spot. Okay. And then we get into things where I'm familiar with, but I know someone nearby who's easy to access knows it better. So I will come up with kind of like a first draft and then I go over it with that person to really pick away at and perfect. Because of again, these are things that you know they have their own stories and characters behind it. I want to do them and their source material justice. And People are excited about this the way I am excited about Harry Potter, about all these other things. And so I want something that will catch their eye and resonate so that they're like, wow, a new way to engage with the thing I love. It doesn't have to be just me rereading it or me watching it all the time. I can actually bring it into my life in a more tangible way. So I will coordinate with people that I know have that really tight sphere. And they're like, no, I know this really well. And I'm like, okay. Um, And then if it's something that's really outlier, I do a lot of research. I sit on it for a little bit. Um, And then if I'm, if I'm really struggling and I'm like, I just, I don't know if I quite nailed this or if this is exactly what you want. Cause there's never like that point where you feel like every single project you do is like the best thing in the world and hundred percent that's okay. But I do wanna do as best as I can for that thing at that time. So sometimes when it goes in for license or approval, I will like specifically ask like, can you you inform this character? Because they're literally in the background of one scene in one movie and I have no idea where to get info on this. So yeah, every now and then I'm like help. (laughs) But I do a lot of research.
2: Danny, I know I'm hogging the mic, but I have two more questions. I am just so deeply curious about this. Um, And then I promise I'll stop talking and you can, you know, do your co-hostly duties. Um, First question is, so I've seen at like a thrift store, I think, back when I lived in Arizona, I, I, because I, look, I, I am very knowledgeable about like the Funkos within the fandoms that I'm really passionate about. But of course there's so many beyond, like, kind of like you're saying, like, you know, the ones, you know, and there's tons that you have to research. I saw a handful at a thrift store one time that were for, the the royal family i i think there was one for um um prince charles maybe or something i forget anywho my question is like are y'all as funko working with like 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 the windsor royal secretary on that
0: i don't know in particular who we work with that but we do work with licensors for real people they're called pop icons so there's many different collections for anyone who is interested feel free to check it out Uh, We have music, sports, and sports of all kinds. So like American football, we have European football, or as other people call it, soccer. We have um, tennis, baseball. And then when we get out of that sphere, we get into, you know, the bigger ones that you would recognize off the shelves. So like Star Wars, um, Lucasfilm, like side shows, you know. So like the animated series, things like that. Then there's Marvel comics and movies. There are different collections for those. There's DC, also in movie comics split. And then there's all sorts of animated characters. So animated in like the quote unquote normal sense where you have like Disney and other animated films. And then there's actual like Japanese cartoons, like anime. So yeah, there's quite a large variety, and we do include music now. We do include um, icons, history, people. We we work with either what is remaining of their like estate or their foundations, things like that. Um, as we go through those projects, we make quite a lot.
2: Yeah, I just I look I I really do appreciate the wide product overview you Steve, there because I think that is super important to realize. Like again. This is a Harry Potter podcast and we're going we're talking about you know, the Harry Potter pops but there's so there's so much that y'all do far in a way beyond just this one little franchise and I hate to fixate on this one but I just really love to imagine that like the queen of England like her her majesty who like lived through World War II like like saw like the invent of like modern television and like all this stuff like I wonder if like she knows, or like she has somewhere hidden in Buckingham palace or Windsor castle, like uh, her pop. Like I find that like it's just a mind blowing concept is really the point of all this. But my second question um, is in a world of course where everyone is in the office, um, remember when everyone used to go into the office um, are, is everyone's offices just like adorned with their own personal favorite Funkos. And if so, uh, what are some of the highlights in your office?
0: Okay, so first part, I imagine that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II is quite tickled by the fact that she has a tiny figure of her. Not only that it's a figure of her, but um, the figure also comes with one of her corgis. So I wonder if she looks at it and is like, ah, yes, Reginald, what a good boy. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I wonder if she looks at him and is like, yes. But, but, But yeah, so there's Two different versions of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, so one in her iconic, you know, lime green outfit, and then one in her pink outfit where it comes with her corgi. So I I do wonder. Uh, we do send these items out to the the person that we're making when we license them to real people, and so you know every now and then they'll send pictures back and things like that, which I really enjoy, and that's usually something we incorporate into our fan events. Cause we do a lot of fan events typically, which is part of why it's so hard for us to be so like far away in physical sense from our fans and just people in general is cause we all bond over these different fandoms and these things we enjoy. Even if we don't have the exact same things that we like, we like things in a similar vein and we enrich each other's lives by directing each other to new things to try or to be interested in. So Yeah, we do an event, usually at San Diego Comic-Con called Fun Days, where we would highlight videos like that, where the people that we actually make are responding to the things that we made of them, which is really fun. So I highly suggest that if anyone is interested, there's footage of it online, on our blog. Feel free to check it out. It's really fun because we interact with a lot of really interesting people. And sometimes we do fan event signings at the retail store. Um, Again, an in-person thing when that is a safe possibility. And second, we are, this particular place that I'm in right now, because I know you can see me, um, is an empty office at the moment simply for You know, people who are having internet connections to use. So private note. (laughs) Um, So this one is empty, but typically they are coded, like stacked. And, you know, some people are a little more modest and, you know, design oriented and decorative and they have them like, you know, well-spaced on shelves with other things because we're all collectors of something. We're all passionate about something. So some people in their desks and office spaces have other collectibles like strewn into the mix too. And we make things other than pop as well. So some people are solely dedicated to mystery minis. Some people love the Paka Paka, like capsule collectibles. yeah, it's just like some people have plushies. It's just whatever your thing is, that's that's your space. That's your home. And so if that's what makes you happy and gets you excited about the day, then of course you want it to be in your life, you know? So mine in particular, I oh I have a lot of really quirky ones. I have a very large Harry Potter collection, but I am not a completionist for that category because first off, it is vast. And I mean like canyon. Okay, there are so many different versions of certain characters, all these different things, all of which I enjoy, I think they're great, they're awesome. Um, But I'm like, I I need to pick the ones that stick with me the most. These are the ones that share my space. I love the others, but someone else is gonna enjoy them more. So they don't don't all need to exist in my collection all at once. So for my desk, I have Hermione with the time turner. Because when I was hired, one of the questions I was asked was, if I was a pop, which pop would I be? And I said, Hermione with a time turner. I am very similar to Hermione in certain ways. And also I own a time turner. And I just, I really like that. Like the Prisoner of Azkaban was very interesting to me. And one of the few times where I could, like, time travel in literature for me is really difficult because I'm just, like, mm, that's going to screw everything up. Doesn't make sense. Don't do it. Well let, also, I don't
2: know. well, let me also just jump in and say that's a great answer, whether Hermione with the time turner is your real answer or not. Because, like, you could have said, like, Harley Quinn with her hammer. And, like, if I'm a hiring manager, I'm like, well, do I really want, like, this insane person running around the office? Like, Hermione <laughs> is a great answer for an interview question. So, Kudos to you for, again, I, it's your intrinsic answer and it's always great when you can be genuine rather than lying in an interview, um, but it, it, great answer regardless.
0: Thank you. It's, it's a double-edged coin because I feel like everyone should be reflective to a certain degree. You don't need to be too hard on yourself, but there are times where, you know, Hermione as a character can be stiff and abrasive and that that's that's human, that's real, that's believable. And so, you know, for some people, they'll be like, oh, Hermione, she's so annoying. And I'm like, well, okay, fair. But is she annoying in this moment because you weren't paying attention to something that became important later on that she told you would be important later on? Like, <laughs> so yeah, and just the, like the way that she learns and just her level of interest in things. Yeah. I, I relate to her on many points. So that was my genuine answer. And I think if someone were to ask me now, it would still be the same with a close second being Uncle Iroh from Avatar The Last Airbender because I am also a tea lover and just I'm an old person at heart. <laughs> and I just, I love Uncle Iroh. But um, yeah, my desk has Hermione with time turner. I am a big fan of the movie Grand Budapest Hotel. The first time I watched it, Uh, I was sucked in and I watched it five times in a row. And so I have the exclusive two-pack of Zero and Gustav on my desk. Um, Trying to think what else. Because some of them I like to rotate. But um, the ones that aren't on my desk that are on display that are really important to me are my Cowboy Bebop collection. I really, really love that anime. Like... I recently watched it like start to finish again twice in a row. Cause I got to the end. I was like, I ain't done with you. And so I went back, <laughs> but um, yeah. So those ones have a special display in my living room. Um, they go, you know, staggered across the back wall around my TV and my mother who is a phenomenal artist is she painted, she's painting me a giant canvas of Spike and Julia playing pool at a dive bar. So that will, if you understand the characters, it'll make perfect sense. Cause there's a lot of like, a lot of like weird locations and things like that. And those characters are really important, but yeah. So Spike and Julia are playing pool at a dive bar. Um, and the funny thing is Julia is a really important character in the series and we haven't been able to make her yet. And I want it so bad. I want it so bad. But yeah, it's one of those things where when, like even if we really want to make something or the, you know, the fans really want us to make us something, we try really, really hard. But if the licensor has reservations for some reason, or they want us to wait for a certain thing, something like that, then of course we we have to respect them and oblige. Um, So we do the best we can. And we do hear the, our fans comments on what they want us to make Um, but it is a process and we want to do it correctly and respectfully to all involved so it's just we're going to chip away at it and hopefully we'll get some choice ones like Julia
1: (laughs) so this may be controversial when you collect them do you keep them boxed or do you unbox them
0: it depends on the character, personally. Um, some of them I collect and they're solely in the box because I I know like how hard it was for me to get. Like for example, to answer that, um, of my Cowboy Bebop collection, Spike, who is the main character in the series, does not come out of his box. And he is in a protective plastic case as well. Even though he's on a floating shelf above everything else, he is still in a plastic protective case. Um, he will never come out of the box. <laughs> And all the other ones, I'm like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I kind of look at them and then I'm like, maybe next week. And then they're still in the box, but you know, it's on the table. Um, Yeah. So certain ones I am okay with. Um, If it gets to a character that's really important to me that I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to take this one out of the box. Then if it's possible for me to get two, that would like satiate that I need to have one. you know what I mean? But I try to be, you know, not minimalist. I just, I try to have things neat and tidy. Um, and there's a tidy way to have like knickknack knack kind of cluttered decor. And that's great. I'm in no way judging that. But for me, when things get too visually disruptive, I feel like I'm suffocating. So I just, I'm trying to, you know, satiate the desire to see them out of box as well, while, you know, preserving one of them. But yeah, so it, it depends on the character very much so. Um, Like I've never taken my Hermione with Time Turner out of the box because of course I have to have that. Um, And some of them were gifted to me and they had damaged boxes. And I was just like, well, first off, it's a gift. And I'm so grateful that someone thought of me. And so I was just like, meh. And if the box is damaged, there's no point really in keeping it. So I was just like, meh. But if I take them out of the box, then I would like I would flatten out the box and like store it carefully in case. But once I get to a certain point, I kind of assess it every so often where I'm just like, "Mm, is it time? And then I'll throw out the ones where I'm like, that's never going back in the box, like that kind of thing.
2: So Danny asked a potentially controversial question. I'll ask a potentially inappropriate one in that. So, like, I know, for instance, like, Disney employees have, like, Disney employee stores where they have exclusive access to to pins and merch and things like that before it potentially goes out to the public. Or really, it just stays within the Disney employee store kind of walls. When, when there are new products coming out from Funko, like, do employees get, like, a first crack at them? Like, is there, like, an email that goes around saying, hey, guys, like, this is an exclusive one that's going out. Like we have 30 spots if employees want to purchase them before releasing to the public. Like, how does that? Is, is there any sort of mechanism like that?
0: I think this is how Funko differs. We value our fans and our fan base to the highest degree, and we do not. So, of course, there are people who are involved with creating, you know, the art department, the person who creates the mold for that character, they get one for their desk if they so choose because they can choose not to, but that is not included in like a normal collection. So, that's it's not like we get first access. It's like we know that things are coming out because we're also fans and we're following it. And so, you know, some of my coworkers, you know, they still camp out outside of a GameStop to get that one that they really want that they know is going to happen um I guess that kind of adds to our dynamic with our fans as well, because we are still fans. So if we really want something and we really cherish it, we still put the effort in to go out and get it. But we, we don't want to take away from the potential of our fans getting the items that they want. So, you know, aside from, you know, samples that are needed for photography, things like that, And most of the time we give those items away. We do lots of giveaways. We do lots of things with our fans, lots of giveaways. So usually if something gets like put to the side for us to use for photos or things like that, we do give it back to the fans in some capacity.
2: I can't get myself off of mute. So Danny, you're gonna have fun editing that. Um, In terms of samples, are we allowed to talk about samples?
0: Yeah, we sent you some. I would love to talk about
2: them. Holy crap, y'all did. So look, for the listeners who have been on this journey with us for going on a year now, um, y'all will know that I very recently moved and my apartment is filled with half empty to fully empty to completely filled boxes in varying states. And there I was minding my business the other day and there was a box dropped off at my door. And what's in it? But three incredible pops and two of the little pocket keychains. And let me tell y'all, look, again, we don't make a dime off this podcast. In fact, when you figure the money we spend editing and the platform, we lose money on this podcast. So this was just a super cool gesture and a really cool thing. So And what's even cooler is, and Danny can explain hers, Like we got different products. So I got 121, 124, and 125, which is... Um, Ron with his little green winter hat on. Um, I I, I guess I should go in order. So 121 is the 2020 exclusive NYCC um, uh, Bulgarian Quidditch World Cup Ron, which is such such a cool, 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 cool product. Um, 124 is Ron with a little like wizard cracker in his hand and his little winter hat. Um, And 125 is our boy Albus Burstable Wolf of Brian Dumbledore. In his, are we calling those mauve? I don't know what we're calling the color, but in his in his robes, um, with a little starry hat on, and then the two keychains, um, Ron with his cracker, and then Harry. And to be honest, is that an owl keychain? To be honest, my eyes are awful. So like looking that that closely kind of hard. But either way, let me tell you, this was by and away the coolest thing to come of this podcast over the past year. Like this is this is unbelievably cool. Danny, what did you get?
1: I got 122 and 123, which are Harry with a golden owl, and then Hermione with some presents. And then my two mini keychains are, I got the Albus with a gift, and Hermione, it looks like she's brewing probably Polyjuice Potion, because it's when she's sitting.
0: I have that one as well. I quite like it. (laughs) I'm so glad that they got to you guys all well and safe and that you enjoy them. It was a great thing
1: to get on a Monday.
2: <laughs> yeah, So I suppose this is a perfect point to ask you, look, Danny does all the hard work for this podcast, so I can't speak to when we're specifically going to release this, but I'd imagine it'd be in the coming weeks, sometime in the back half of October, early November here. Um, Danny can shake her head or nod her head if I'm on the right path there. Okay, she shook her head up and down, so that's good. Um, talk to us about what Funko has in store. Of course, I know there are things you can't talk about, and that's totally fine. Um, but w- what does, like, the winter look like? Um, I guess specific to the Potter realm, but if there's anything else you're particularly excited about as just an employee and a fan, uh, happy, to, happy to hear about it. So
0: in the Harry Potter realm, because that is... The reason that we are here and we all love it. And so the ones that I know for sure are on the docket are going to be available in some capacity, either through our website or other retailers. Um, We have what's called a pop ride. So a pop ride involves at least one character and then some sort of vehicle. Um, It could be motorcycle, car, things like that. But in this case, it's extra special because the Harry Potter ride is Harry, Ron, and Hermione riding the Green Gots dragon as they're escaping the bank. And I particularly enjoy that one because the dragon ones, dragons are just cool, okay? Dragons are cool. So, but the fact that we were able to get all three characters to fit on it uh, without it being like absolutely ginormous because we do make a large variety of sizes of certain characters. So that... I'm really excited about because the Gringotts scene where they're escaping, like crashing through the floor of the bank and then crashing through the roof. Like it's just, it's so iconic. It, it shakes you to your core. And so that was a really cool one. Um, for the ones that you got, I know that's part of the newer collection, which are centered around like the Yule Ball, like holiday time. So, you know, Harry is hanging up like a golden owl ornament and Hermione has gifts. And, you know, Ron has his, you know, holiday crackers where you pop them open and then wizard chest sets or random objects appear. So just those kinds of moments. Cause we did a Yule collection where it was a, a large majority of the main characters we follow in the movie series, all in their Yule ball outfits. Um, But this is an expansion on that. So still in the realm of the Yule season and celebration, but more centered on their times together um, where they're decorating and things like that. And I really enjoy it because for me, I like to incorporate my figures into my decor wherever I am. So either at my desk or things like that. So decorating for the holidays and it looks like they're helping me decorate for the holidays. That's primo. That makes me really happy.
2: Yeah, trust me. I'm well aware that y'all have different size products um, because a couple months ago, I I purchased a couple. I think the one I had gone for was Harry Under the Invisibility Cloak. Um, This must have been like summer, back in the summer. And while I was on the website, I was like, oh, you know, my, I'm here. So, um, and so I saw there was Dumbledore with Fox and I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll buy that too. And I noticed that there was a slight price differential. I noticed one was like $15.99, one was $10.99. And I didn't really think too much about it. I thought, oh, well, there's two little there's too little uh, characters or two little pieces. You didn't so read just,
1: your descriptions that you wrote. I
2: didn't, I didn't look all your hard work. I did, well, cause look, look, I was afraid that like the the, the Harry invisibility cloak was going to sell out. So I was on it quick. I was just like, I got to get to the cart. I got to check out. I got to be gone. And so I bought it. I bought both of these things and they show up and I'm like, why the heck is this box so big? Like the cardboard box was like, you know, up to like my knee and I'm six foot three. And I open it and Dumbledore is humongous. Yeah. Oh goodness. Like this is out, this is outstanding. But now I have to figure out somewhere to put this in my decor. And yeah, anywho, I am I am well versed in the different product sizes now.
0: Yeah, so hopefully, you know, if anyone has questions, we try to explain those things at conventions or fan events, things like that, but we do everything from like we, we even do pens. So we have pop pens where they have mini tiny collectibles on top, or we have Pocka, Pocka and Mystery Mini, which are all in the same like, you know, pocket size realm. We have pocket pop keychains, which are basically a miniature version of the pop attached to a keychain. Then we have pops, we have pop six inch, pop 10 inch. And then we get to the whopping 18 inch bad boys, which are that's a focal piece for a collection. Let me tell you,
1: very much so. I know one of the things that I see a lot in the Harry Potter world is the advent calendars.
0: I know. Yes, cool. I I also have one.
1: I don't have this year's yet, but the there's a Myrtle on the shelf behind me from the little advent calendar because it has really tiny shelves and they fit perfectly.
0: Oh my gosh, I love it! I love to hear how people incorporate them in different you know, displays or in different ways. I just, it always makes me happy and excited, gives me new ideas too, but the advent calendar for this year is correlating to the collection that's coming out. So all you will related of people decorating and fun things. And, you know, one of the figures includes, um, Albus Percival, Wolf, Brian, Dumbledore holding sweet, sweet, swaddled baby Harry Potter, and it's adorable. And, you know, there's Hagrid carrying a tree to decorate, like all kinds of things. So they're all related to that collection in a mini form. So I really enjoyed that one. I also really liked last year's, which was Yule Ball themed. So it had like Hermione and her beautiful dress and all these wonderful things. And you could kind of create, you know, your own little Yule Ball dance scene with everybody.
1: We use them, our work does this weird competition thing that my team is just kind of gets over because they repeat it every year, but we use them in the snow globe that we had to create for work.
0: Which is another thing because this year we came out with mystery mini snow globes specifically for that collection.
2: Y- y'all can't keep doing, look, so I host another podcast all about pins and pin collecting. And I lose so much money off that podcast because I bring on these amazing designers and I'm sitting there and I'm Googling their stuff. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. And so look, the more you keep talking about all these really cool products you guys are coming out, I'm going to be on the website buying stuff. <sighs> uh, Danny, Danny, Danny this podcast is incredible, but I can't keep losing money like this because <laughs> we bring on these amazing artists. We bring on these amazing mask makers like Paula. We bring on incredible people like Meridia from you know from Funko. And here I am 10 seconds later on the website giving, giving my galleons away. And it's all great and I'm happy to do it, but at some point I'm not going to be able to afford food.
1: Or you're not going to have anywhere else to put
0: anything. That too. We also make pins. I am also a pin collector.
2: Stop. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So our newest, like, series within pins are pop pins. So they are, quote, colossal size pins ranging from four to three inches tall, typically. Um, It kind of depends on the character, you know, sizing uh, according to that. But... Yeah, so we make pop pins, which are really cool. The Harry Potter collection is really fun. I particularly like Albus in his like mauve, purpley outfit with the gold stars. Um, and then we also, so uh, part of Funko is Loungefly, So that's kind of a branch of us. And we make all of those really awesome, fun, you know, purses, backpacks, wallets, t-shirts, Um, more stylized pins things like that Um, yeah so that's my that's my real big thing right now is occasionally there's pops where I'm like oh gotta have that but lounge fly because I'm a sucker for a good purse and pins too so well
2: now I'm even I'm even looking at box lunch and I see the Lumiere and Cogsworth and Aladdin and Genie and Abu and Raja, oh my God, this. We've lost them. <laughs> oh God. There's
0: some good ones. It's a struggle. But again, I guess for me, like my guiding thing is, okay, is it going to be in a place where I can see it and cherish it? And things can rotate and that's fine. But at some point in the year or in time, is it going to be in my space and I can see it and enjoy it? Cause that's the whole point, you know, to, to interact with it, to have it with you or to take it with you for fun things or for, to wear it and someone to recognize it. And you're like, oh, you're into this too. You know, things like that, those kinds of moments. Um, so I do give things away and cycle through things, you know, fairly regularly because if I am at a point where it's, you know, boxed away and I can't, you know, cherish it properly, then it should go to someone who's really excited about it.
1: I agree. That's why I try to stick within specific genres of pops. I have two and a half and the half came because I just liked it and I don't plan on getting any more from the set, but it...
0: Hey, and that's fair. That's fine. The only one I have from Avatar The Last Airbender collection is Uncle Iroh because we all need Uncle Iroh in our life. Yes. that's great so
1: we don't want to take up too much of your time so I think we're going to start winding down Stephen before we do that do you have any other questions
2: not a question so much just to say this has been really really cool Uh, so one of the things that I Danny and I have talked a lot about in terms of what we want to do with the podcast now that we're I guess by the time people are listening to this, if not encroaching on one year past one year um, of, of existence is, you know, just talk, talk with people who engage in the fandom in different ways than we have. Like we've talked with a ton of like personal small business owners and just people who are incredible fans. And we're going to continue doing that. But, you know, we spoke with um, Shelly the other week um, who uh, runs Conquest journals and, um, and that was an incredible conversation talking with someone who has an officially licensed Harry Potter product and just talking about how she's able to integrate kind of the passion into the business and, and how that whole relationship works. And and this has been an extension of that tenfold. It's just, again, like I said earlier, Danny and I both wish we could have a career that allows us to engage in our personal passion and get paid to do it. Um, and you know, I, I think Funko is just a really cool company that, you know, I've engaged with at, at at Emerald City. I've engaged with just as a customer online. Like there's always something fun happening. And just to be able to tap into that fun on a personal level for an hour and however long this goes is just really cool. So so thank you so much for for doing this with us.
0: Of course. I really love it. Cause this is something that I'm really interested in as well. I mean I've worked on my own private projects doing podcasts, which is essentially the same thing, like, you know, dissecting how people interact with certain things in some of those specifically are Harry Potter. And I, I just, it always amazes me what things really stick with people because someone could be a fan of something just because of one interaction that wasn't in the source material, but was a result of the source material. So yeah, it's really great and interesting. And it also keeps me on my toes. I I'm very much a person I have a, like, I am a person who has a lot of hobbies and a lot of interests. And so, you know, I really dive into them and I really get into them. And then it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, of course I can continue to learn more and more about that over time, but it, it's going to take a certain level of like extraneous effort to to find other people that know about something the same way I do to really, you know, nitty gritty progress in that thing. So I'm like, okay, well, I would like to focus on this for a little while now. And I always cycle back through things, you know, over time as they go, but yeah, I just, it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me learning. Um, I have, A ridiculous amount of knowledge about retro toys from before my creation (laughs) so it's very interesting and it's there's almost their own stories into it when you research into these different things and so if there's something that I don't know about I enjoy learning about it and researching it a lot because there is its own story behind it like you know there's some characters that only appeared in like one small thing in a in a whole vast effort by a company. So like, for example, like, you know, one particular licensor that we work with that they make soda products. One of the characters we made for them was a mascot that only appeared in a print ad in the 1960s and like the early part of the 1960s. And it was just really interesting to me that like this one (laughs) character showed up for a very short amount of time, but it stuck with people enough to build the traction for us to get to a point where we could create it for people to enjoy again. So I I wish that upon anyone. And I hope that everyone can get to that point in their life where they know enough about themselves to know what gets them excited and what gets them going and the ball rolling. And then being able to do something with that, like as a career or even as a hobby, Definitely. And we really thank you guys
1: for being willing to do this with us. And I know that a lot of people that probably listen to this already follow Funko, but one of the things I like doing is you guys have your Twitch live streams happening a lot. So if I'm doing a tedious task, I'll have it playing in the background.
0: It's fun because it's a it's a chance for us to be able to talk about a variety of different things and talk about what you know, we, as people are excited about, cause we're fans too, again, rounding back to that. So, you know, being able to like sit down and play games or do live streams or things like that, where we get to interact with people and be like, guys, did you see the new trailer for this? Or did you, did you hear that the new book is going to launch soon? Like just being able to get excited and kind of like speculate it's, it's all about the interacting with each other. And so I, I definitely love doing that too. And there's a, there's a time for it because sometimes like I'm really in the zone and like I can't handle like any sound, but I definitely will put certain things on and just listen to them just, just to get excited and learn more about stuff as I'm doing other things. I suggest it for anyone who hasn't tried it either because you might think, eh, it's not quite the same when I can't see what's going on or I can't. Well, there's a little bit of both in that. You can choose to see it and listen to it or you can choose to just listen to it. Um, And just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it isn't real. Doesn't mean that it's not there. So, you know, it's okay to try it and decide, okay, this, this is for me or it isn't for me, you know, all about growing and learning over time. That is perfectly said. And with that, I think we are done.
1: So thank you again. This was great. We learned a lot.
0: Of course I'm glad especially cuz someone again very much Hermione like I I'm really into nitty gritty details and things like that so for a lot of people it's just this is too much you have to pick and choose and so it's fun yeah. to be able to interact in a way where I can explain certain things and like go into certain things even just you know touching toes to the water to be like hey so this is how part of this works then people can understand like how much we care and how much we try because again we're fans too we want it just as bad as you do
1: (laughs) that definitely shines through everything we've talked about that Funko is essentially all of us just with the job behind it
0: yeah and we do lots of goofy fun things too I mean we do like office costume parties and costume weeks, and a lot of our people are really into cosplay too, so you might bump into us, and you just don't know. Now, if you do not mind, I'm going to beg, either of you come up with another clever idea to
2: get us killed, or expelled.